Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons, I'm Sean, and in this episode, my wife Lynette does an interview with Rebecca. Rebecca is a birth mother and was also adopted by her stepfather as a child. In this episode, she'll share about her experience placing her daughter in a semi-open adoption, a little bit about racism and the need for education and adoption, also about adoption language and what role that has played in her experience. And it's just a really great interview. She's really vulnerable and opens up and shares a lot of her thoughts and feelings. So I think that you'll really enjoy this episode. We'll jump in right now and we'll recap a little bit afterward. Here on the podcast with Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Can you start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Oh, goodness. I am 43. I am originally from uh, North Carolina. Uh, I was living in Atlanta, met my husband, well, now my husband, uh, moved to California. So I now reside in Sacramento, California. I have two wonderful daughters and a wonderful husband who supports me in everything that we do. Awesome. I love California. Such a beautiful place. You have a couple of connections to adoption. Can you tell us how adoption is part of your life and just share your story? I do. I am an adoptee. My stepdad adopted me when I, well, the adoption took six years to complete. We started it when I was five and it finished when I was 10. Um, And then I am a birth mother. Um, I gave birth to a beautiful daughter, um, August of 2001. Wow. And can you tell us a bit about how adoption became your choice and what that road looked like? Um, I was 22 when I found myself pregnant. Um, I was living in Atlanta. I had a good job. I had a good apartment. Um, I was fairly stable. Um, The guy that I was seeing, the birth father, we were never going to be in a permanent relationship together. Um, we both knew that, but we loved each other. Um, when I found myself pregnant, I immediately started thinking of how am I going to parent and be a single parent, basically. I, t- I was scared. I, I was downright scared. I called my mother because unfortunately, I had no intention of going to see my mother at the time. It was going to be probably six months before I saw her. And it wasn't, that was not going to be the appropriate time to say, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant. So I um, had to call her and I had to tell her over the phone and I just kind of blurted it out and she hung up on me. And (laughs) yeah, she hung up on me and called me a couple of days later. And apparently she had been talking with several people and came back with, well, the general consensus is that you have an abortion. And I said, that's not my plan. That, that is not my plan at all. And I grew up in a very small town in North Carolina. My, my daughter is biracial. And my mother told me on the phone, you cannot bring your child and live here. You will never be allowed in this house if you're parenting your child. And so I was devastated um, at that point that my mother was not willing to support my decision. And so I thought more and more 
Um, I had an older sister that was very supportive of whatever I was going to decide. She was, she was even coming up with, well, how can you parent in Atlanta and let me help you and I'll support you and everything. And without having my mother supporting me, it was not going to work. And so that's kind of how I came to the decision to, to make an adoption plan. And so did you have people in your life who had adopted children or who had placed children for adoption or other people who were adopted that helped shape that decision? Um, well, me being adopted kind of helped. Um, I had other, I, I don't know that I really had other friends in my life at the time that had adopted or what have you. I know that I had some friends that were in the process of trying to adopt um, for one reason or another, but I didn't really have anybody that um, really helped me make that decision. It was, it was more of, I didn't want my child growing up in a family where she was not wanted. And so I, I said, this isn't going to happen. And in fact, <laughs> my sister, my middle sister was graduating from high school that year. And my mother called me and told me, you have to look as unpregnant as possible. She said those exact words to me. And you are not allowed to come to the house for the celebration. You have to stay at your godparents' house. You will stay there. You can go to the graduation and then you can go back to their house and then you can go home the next day. My sister was devastated. She, she couldn't understand why I couldn't go. And because I was taught to respect your elders and your parents, I was not about to badmouth my mother in front of her because I wanted her to still be able to respect her. That's oh, so hard. And so it sounds like there was a lot of shame wrapped in there was. that family culture. Yeah, there was. And I had friends in Atlanta where I was living that was like, hey, if you want a parent, you can come live with us. You can raise your child. We'll help you raise your kid. We will be happy to, you know, have you live with us. We'll help, you know, we'll be supportive, whatever. If you want a place for adoption, I have friends, I have family that would be happy to, to work with you on that. They'd be happy to adopt your daughter. And, you know, so I had tons of support either way that didn't, but it, not having my family was absolutely horrible. Yeah, wow. And what a contrast, having such supportive friends, but having such a hard time getting support from your mom. Yeah, it was, it was strange. It, it was very strange for me. You eventually chose adoption, we know. I but did. how did you get there? And did you work with an agency? Did you receive counseling? What did that look like? Um, once I decided to adopt, the birth father and I kind of talked things out. He was very supportive regardless of what I wanted to do. Um, for him to come to terms with everything, he did all of the research as far as how we were going to go through that, whether we were going to use an attorney, whether we were going to do it on our own, whether we were going to use an agency. And so I remember for about six months, he researched different agencies all across the U.S. I remember he sent me information on one in Colorado and one in New York. And I, it was overwhelming for me, but 
he needed to come to terms with everything. And so that was his process to be able to help and come to terms with it. We ended up using an agency in Atlanta. We actually used uh, Bethany, Bethany Christian Services um, that has agencies all across the US. Um, and so we, we went with them and it was, it was a wonderful experience. I loved everyone that was there. My counselor was great. Um, everyone was, was absolutely fabulous. So you did feel like you got good professional help. Yes, I did. I did. They had great support for birth parents as well as adoptive parents. Awesome. So how did you end up selecting a family? (laughs) You know, a friend of mine um, equates it to acting like God. Um, You go through all these different profiles and you have to pick where your future child is going to be and the best situation for them. And we went through profile after profile after profile and nothing really clicked with us. And the family that we eventually chose um, actually was not in the process of wanting to adopt. They had already adopted twice before, or once before, I should say. Um, They had a biological daughter that they had had at the time that was 12. Um, And then they adopted two years prior and they were not in the process. They were not looking, they were not at all. And another adoption counselor within the agency said, you know, we have this family that's adopted before. They might be, they they might work for this, for them. And they quickly reached out to them, got their old profile, plus a couple of new things together for us. And we looked at this notebook and I instantly opened it. I felt this peace come over me. And I read a um, letter that, the, that they had done for a re- letter of recommendation from another friend. And it talked about how the dad was all about family. While he was at work, it was work. But if he had something going on with his family, he would up and leave which is exactly what my stepdad would do for us. I remember um, in the, reading the letter, it talked about how the dad would get up from a board meeting or a meeting or whatever and go, I'm sorry, I got a date with my daughter. I'll see you guys later. And that's exactly what my dad would do. My dad worked for the school system and he would be in a board meeting and go, I'm sorry, guys, I have a date with my daughter to watch the sound of music. I'm out of here. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And so just reading that letter was what sealed it for me and seeing their family together. Um, it, it was perfect. The dad was black, the mom was white. So it would be a biracial family. The kids all um, looked, <laughs> they, they looked like they all belonged. They looked like there was nothing different. Um, and so that's exactly kind of what we wanted. Um, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily what we put down as what we wanted originally, but when we were going through profiles and we looked at theirs, we're like, this is it. This, this is exactly it. And it was just so peaceful to make that decision and know that it was exactly perfect for us. Wow. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you. So that was about 20 years ago. You said, is that right? Yeah, she is. She'll be 21 this August. That was about the time when open adoption started to kind of yep. come out. But was that an option? Was that a discussion at that point? It, it was kind of. Um, we have what's called a semi-open a semi adoption is what ours is called. 
Um, the, we got letters and updates through the agency. They didn't know my last name. We don't know theirs. Um, all contact was done through the agency. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting because we did have a couple of visits in her first couple of years, and I actually haven't seen her since she was two. Um, I kind of imagine what she looks like, but I, I wouldn't know her if I saw her on the street, unfortunately. Um, although my, my mom heart says that I would, but I don't know that I would. Because they had adopted two years prior, we kind of took that basis for how we would handle relationship with the adoptive family. And they had a semi-closed adoption with their son that they adopted. And so, and their, and his birth family. So we kind of took that because we never wanted one kid to wonder why was I more loved than the other? Why? So that was one thing we never wanted. So we, we didn't want our daughter with a lot of contact with us and her brother not having any contact with his family. So did that contact end up kind of tapering off since you said you don't know what it she did. would look like now? Yeah. It did. Um, it, and it did. And um, I think they actually moved to Europe for a bit. Um, her dad uh, was a professional basketball player. And so um, we think that they may have, he, they may have moved to, to the Europe area to, to, for him to pursue that. Do you think that you might be interested in reunification if that's something she's looking for someday? If she ever reached out to me or the agency and said that she would like to meet me, I would be absolutely overjoyed to do that. Um, but it would be on her terms. It would never, I would never force it um, on my side. It's completely on her. And then what about your kids that you're parenting? <laughs> Do they know that they have an older sister? And We did tell them a couple of years ago. Um, I wanted to wait until they understood. We have her picture up all over the house and they've asked every once in a while, like, who is that? And we've said, you know, that's, that's so-and-so, a friend of mommy's, you know, no big deal. And I've never, it's weird because I've never thought of her as their sister because it was kind of before everything. But when we did, inter, when we did talk about it, we had her picture and we, we discussed what happened and what led up to everything and why she's not with us and why I don't have contact with her now. But if they ever had questions, I would absolutely answer them. And occasionally yeah. they do, but just out of the blue, sometimes my eight-year-old will ask me some random question about her. Do you feel like being adopted by your stepdad influenced your relationship with your biological father? Um, yes. Um, my biological father was abusive and my mom divorced him when I was uh, three. Um, and I remember some incidences. Um, when my mom, uh, when the divorce was final, my mom refused to have any contact with him. Um, and it wasn't until my parents were married that he said, she needs to know who he is so that she can make the choices for herself as far as how she feels about him. And so, yeah, absolutely. He definitely influenced um, my relationship with him. It didn't take me long to figure out what kind of guy he was. What advice would you give to step parents who are hoping to legally adopt their stepkids? It sounds like you have an awesome stepdad. I did. Um, I, talk to the kids, no matter what age they are talk to them, ask them what they want. Um, I remember when we were in the process of the adoption, he actually asked me, what do you want your last name to be? 
Do you want it to stay what it is? Do you want to hyphenate and add mine? Do you want just mine? And at four and a half, I knew exactly what I wanted. A lot of adults say that, you know, four and a half is too young for them to really know what they want. And it was the best decision I could have ever made. And so, you know, ask the kids. They may just change their mind later on. Technically, yes, I could have legally changed my last name again if I'd ever decided that I didn't like what I had chosen. It's not that big of a deal, but it was, it was nice to have that power and choice to make at, you know, four and a half, five years old. Yeah, that's really incredible. How cool. Yeah. All right. So what have you struggled with over the years regarding adoption and what do you wish other people understood about it? The problem that I have is the, the verbiage that people use. You know, 20 years later, I still see people talking about how they gave up their child for adoption. Like, I, I didn't give up my child. I, I completed an adoption plan. I placed my child for adoption. The words that people still use insinuate that I was forced and I was never forced to do something. I could have parented my child there's so many stereotypes that go along with adoption of, well, they must have been a teenager and, or into drugs or, you know, alcohol and, you know, what have you. And I was none of those things. I was 22. I had a good job. I had medical benefits. I had a good apartment. I bought a house a year later. I I could have raised my child. I chose to give her a life that was better than what I had at the time. Such an important thing, right? The words we use really matter. Yes, yeah. Yes. I wish people could just take a, a two-hour class just to learn how words can simply change. So what do you wish someone had told you about adoption before you placed your daughter? I wish someone had talked to me about the future because when, you're, when I was 22, I wasn't thinking about how it would feel when she was 18. There are some things that I wish I'd done differently. I wish I'd been able to, to instead of having the semi-closed adoption, having the, the openness and being able to reach out to her just to say hi, or have her be able to reach out to me just to say hi. I wish I had the ability, and I wish someone had talked to me about how when you move on with your life, don't feel guilty about what you did and to look for the future. How are you going to inter use this in the future? When my kids are born, I had no idea how to talk to them. And when we finally did talk to them a couple of years ago, I had no idea what to say. Yeah, those are big things to think about. Yeah. So I don't think we really talked about what placement was like for you, what that experience was like when you signed papers and relinquished. Oh. Uh, a lot of tears, a lot of crying. In the state of Georgia, there is um, a 10-day right to rescind period. And when you sign the papers, you have to be off of medication for 24 hours minimum to make sure that there's no legal recourse to say that um, you were under influence. So I had to have an emergency C-section uh, with my daughter and so I was on meds a little bit longer than normal, but I was also in the hospital a little bit normal, longer than normal. So I was able to sign the, the paperwork in the hospital. Um, it's actually interesting. My nurse, my recovery room nurse, or my nurse that was in the, the hospital, 
um, when I was taken up to my room, she had actually placed two daughters for adoption. And she waited 45 minutes after her shift ended to be there when I got into my room so that she could introduce herself. And she was there with me three out of the four days I was at the hospital and she was there. She was my nurse when I signed the papers. Um, total stranger, never met her before until I was up in my room and she was huge support for me when I needed it the most along with my counselor and the birth father. And so when we signed the papers, it was very emotional to sign this little child away and, and to give up the parental rights um, that I knew I needed to do. Um, I knew it was the best thing for everyone at the time, but it, it was very, very emotional. Um, and it, it took us several hours because I would go to sign a piece of paper and I go, I, I need to cry about this now. And then I'd, I'd come back a half hour and go, okay, I'm ready to sign this. And then I'd have another piece of paper. And it, it was, it was a very emotional, but thanks to my counselor, we took all day. I, I think it took all day to, to take care of all the paperwork, but it was, it was nice to, to do that. So was there anything that you wish had gone differently with that process? No, overall it was smooth. With using the agency, they actually prepared us for what was going to happen before she was even born. They, we saw the paperwork ahead of time. We knew exactly what we were going to be doing. It was just a matter of doing the official signing. It was just emotional doing that final step. Yeah, of course. Well, I love that that nurse was there to like yes. support you and help you. That's incredible. She was wonderful. So how do you think your adoption experience as an adoptee compares to your experience as a birth mom? <laughs> so it took six years for my adoption to be final. My, we would go to court and my biological father would say, I'm going to sign the papers. I'm going to sign the papers. And then he never would. And he would reject them. And so it took six years and <laughs> I tease everybody. It took me six years and $50,000 to get my last name. And when I married my husband, I kept my last name and just added his on. I said, just because I fell in love with you and got married doesn't mean I'm all this hard work that I put in is going to go away. It was definitely a different experience. The adoption for me took a lot longer and a lot more legal battle than just the one with my daughter. In Georgia, the right to rescind period is 10 days. Um, she was born exactly two weeks before September 11th. And my right to rescind for 10 days ended on a Sunday. Well, in Georgia, when it ends on a weekend or a holiday, it goes to the next business day, um, which happened to be September 10th, 2001. But God knew and therefore did everything the way that he did and the, and the timeline that he did it in for a reason. And I've always believed that God does everything for a reason. And as far as I know, her adoption went perfectly fine. I think six months later, it was completely official. So how do you think your experiences with adoption have changed your perceptions of parenthood as you're parenting your two kids now? Oh, it's, I don't think it's necessarily changed my perspective all that much, but I think it's changed my perspective on different families. Over the 20 years, I've, I've seen other families that have adopted and I don't, I don't think twice about it. Um, I teach Taekwondo um, twice a week and I've seen families come in 
And there was a family that their daughter was adopted. And I didn't know for three years that she was going to the school that she was adopted. And I remember the mom going, my husband's as white as white can be. And so am I. And my daughter is, you know, much more darker skin. Didn't you think about it? Like, no, I, I I never think about that sort of thing. Um, To me, it's second nature. I don't know the perspective. I don't know things. So, you know, I see different families, different skin tones, different dynamics. And it's not that it doesn't bother me because it doesn't, but it, I, it doesn't even phase my brain to question, is this a family? Is this mom and dad? Is this their, their child? It, it is what it is. It, I just think of them all as family. So what do you think some of the biggest challenges that the adoption community faces are? Stigma and, and stereotypes personally, and just not having a whole lot of resources and just the stigma behind everything. And I I just wish adoption was more open with knowledge. 30, 40 years ago, an adoption was done in secret. And it's, you know, it's coming around to be more and more prevalent. It's not that it's, it's happening more. It's that more people, it, it's coming out of the, the hidden works and it, mm-hmm. it's coming out from behind the, the, the privacy of it. And so I, I just feel like as it's coming around, more things are coming around. And I love how things are more open, how more people are having, being able to do ad- open adoptions and less about hiding it per se. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm sure that that shame that you felt coming from some of your family was just so hard, right? Yes. If we can try to get rid of that shame and just make it more focused on love, right? Yeah, exactly. If there was an expectant mother listening to this who's thinking about adoption, what would your advice be to her? Uh, think about how think about how you see your life in 10 years with or without your child. Think about your life now and what you can offer and what someone else could possibly offer. For me, I could, I had a one bedroom apartment. We could have survived. We could have done it. I could have moved in with plenty of friends and family and we could have lived. But was that the life that I wanted to give her living in a one bedroom apartment or living in a, in a one or two bedroom house with someone else? could I have done it? Yes. Was it the best option? It wasn't. And so for me, that was the best, best choice that I could ever make. I don't regret it one bit to regret something to me is to say that I made a wrong choice and I didn't, there was no wrong choice. So, and find those people that are supportive, regardless of your choice, find those friends and family that are supportive and surround yourself with them and don't let the negative people in. That's such beautiful advice. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or talk about? Oh my goodness. There's so much I would like to share, but I, we don't have enough time for it all. I, you know, I am writing a, a, an adoption um, children's book. I'm looking, I'm working on getting it published. It's just a matter of finding the right publisher or publishing it on my own and having the money to do it. And I can't wait to be able to share it. I had planned on having it out by the time my daughter turned 18, but it didn't happen. But um, thanks to some friends with my work, 
I've been able to get the graphics done and get everything done. And now we're just working on getting it published. And I can't wait to have it out for everybody to read. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. So can you share a bit about what the purpose is or what your goals are with that book? You know, it ended up, I originally wanted it to be an adoption story in honor of my daughter. And the story ended up not necessarily going that direction, but it is, it does have some hints about it, um, about her story, but it is, unfortunately, you can't cover every sort of adoption scenario in a children's book, but it does, it does look at adoptions in a good light. And it's a very child-friendly, child-friendly book. It's, it's got turtles. Oh, fun. But yeah, it's, it's, I've had several adoption, adoptive, um, families read it and they loved it and they all came from different styles of adoption so well that's awesome please keep us posted let I us will. know when that gets published I will. exciting anything else that you'd like to share and talk about no i want to thank you for having me on i really appreciate it thank you so much thank you i loved hearing your story Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project, and thank you so much to Rebecca for sharing your experience with us and being so open and vulnerable with us. I loved talking to Rebecca. She is a wonderful person, and I loved hearing her story and her thoughts and really just learning from her and her vast experiences. Something that really stood out to me was the importance of support, um, and it was clear in her story that In some cases, she didn't have the support where she wished she had it, but I loved the examples of the people that were supports in her life. She had a sister that seemed really supportive. She had friends that were willing to let them live with her and supported whatever decision that she made. She had this nurse in the hospital that stayed after hours to make sure that she felt the support that she needed. Her caseworker and the birth father were all really good supports to her throughout this process. And I think that's so important that expected parents receive that support as they're trying to make a decision for what's best for their child, whether that's adoption or whether that's parenting or or something else. I think they need that support. Yeah, finding ways for all of us to be that kind of support system for others in whatever decisions they're making, where we're not pushing them one way or the other, where there's just this genuine support and love for them, wanting to help them with whatever they end up deciding. I loved that too. Another thing that I appreciated that she brought up was just the stigma or stereotype that some birth parents get. And I really hope that we as an adoption community can erase that stereotype or the stigma that and help people understand that expectant parents, birth parents, come from every situation you can imagine and that there is not one size fits all description of a birth parent. Um, I I wish that we could do something, and I think we can as we voice and share. I I would love to erase that from the perceived culture of adoption. Yeah, I agree, where we can just be more loving. I feel like that's really the bottom line in this episode, right? Offering more love, less judgment, and just unconditional care and compassion for others. Yeah. In the end, she decided to place because 
she loved her daughter and she wanted to give her more than she was able to. I loved how Rebecca was coming from a place of love and all of her decisions that she was making and how she had all of these supports that were also coming from places of love, trying to help her and validate her in whatever decision she made. And just this focus on how we can try to perpetuate a cycle of love and stop judgment and stigma and instead just focus on love, compassion, kindness. Thank you again to Rebecca and thanks to each of you for being listeners of the podcast. And we'll see you next week.